Hi, I'm Steve McCoy and welcome to another episode of the Raw McCoy podcast, where we explore the wonderful world of natural health to hopefully enlighten you even a little with evidence-based light-hearted chat and also empower you a whole lot so you can take control of your health and well-being. I'm here once again and it's my pleasure to have my friend and human behaviour specialist Michael Adams, who as part of our Mind Health series will today be looking at the topic of depression or dejection and, and working out really which is which and how you know and what to do. Hi Mike, it's really great to have you here again. Always a pleasure Stevie, always a pleasure. <laughs> so, let's get underway by looking at both a description or definition, if you like, of of depression and generally the ones that I've seen tends to be described as a prolonged form of dejection or sadness. And so it seems to be measured partly in the intensity, but largely by time frame. So you're talking about the difference between depression so, and dejection. Yeah, so when we're looking at, exactly, when we're looking at, at, at depression and the difference between maybe depression and, and dejection, it seems to be largely measured, it seems to be similar, but, but depression seems to be measured more so, or they're both measured in time frame. So depression seems to be something that goes on for a lot longer as opposed to uh, dejection, which may be a matter of hours or, or maybe a couple of days. Okay, I mean, I... Uh, to- what are your thoughts? Yeah, to simplify that, the way in which I would look at that is dejection is something that's, that's temporary. It's a bit like a relative who comes and goes, whereas depression, the luggage comes and they're in for the long haul. They're, they're here to a, stay. They're sticking that's, around. That's, that's, that's probably an, an, an apt description. Okay. And that being the case of the difference between yeah. the two. So one's moving in. Yeah. And, and, and one, one's, as you said, is, is temporary. It's temporary. So, all right. Now, I often hear the term where people say that they are depressed or they're suffering from depression or they feel, you know, this sadness, but they use the term mm-hmm. depression mm-hmm. or depressed. And it can often be used very loosely, very flippantly. Mm-hmm. I hear it used, uh, hear it used a lot when, when, if we're honest, it could probably be referred to as sadness because it is a temporary state or dejection because it is, a, you know, it is temporary. But I recently heard Paul Merson, the, the former professional footballer who has himself suffered from depression, talk about the fact that during this state of depression, he didn't actually know that he was depressed. Yeah, and that's exactly where I would have gone, not knowing where you were going with that. I would say one of the other differences is true depression is something you probably don't even recognise it's happening. You can't, you're not pointing a finger at it um, because it's mood swings, it's different things, it's patterns of behaviour, it's tiredness. It, it manifests itself physically as well as mentally. Sure. Whereas dejection is something that, that happens in the, in the here and now. You get over it. Um, and it might be that you have a, series of things that make you feel dejected that might keep you in that state for longer than expected but ultimately there's light at the end of the tunnel whereas depression feels like this is ongoing this is this is not going away in fact this is my default 
this is what I do. You you accept a new version of yourself and you don't even know you've accepted it. And this feeds into the the reason why, because it becomes the new norm, that people who are suffering from depression may not actually even recognise it as depression. It can be a creeper. The periods of depression just become extended Mm. and and you don't realize it Uh, you know one time it might have been a mood that visits you a couple of hours a day then all all of a sudden it's 24 hours and this is it this is this becomes who i am and is would you say this is some form of uh, a chemical imbalance what is it you would you would put that down to Really good point again. The body absolutely, you know, is reacts chemically to our behaviour, to our our habits. And there is a chemical reaction which takes place, which causes the body chemistry to change, which feeds the depression. Uh, on It feeds the highs and the lows. So absolutely, there's a chemical reaction that takes place. But that reaction is still going to be fueled by what's cognitively, mentally going on inside of you. And in terms of depression and anxiety, because the two are, are linked quite often, mm-hmm. very much linked, would you say that uh, anxiety is, uh, maybe describe it as a gateway to depression? How would you how would you link the two? Um, it's really interesting when we look at terms like like gateway. It's uh, you know I could turn that round on you and say it's chicken and egg. Mm. Which one came first? Um, because ultimately, is your depression bringing on your anxiety, or is your anxiety bringing on your depression? Mm. They're two sides of the same coin. What very often is happening, and it steps back into that word belief what we believe is happening to us and the way in which we react to what we believe is happening to us is what's forming what happens to you and where you go next some people in a in in a situation pull themselves round find this inner strength go with something else for some people they do the opposite they go with the flow of coming down and keep going down. People who are truly depressed, there is a level of acceptance that's going on that of where they feel, where they're at. And that level of acceptance justifies the path that they take and keeps them in that uh, depressive state. The people who come out of that tend to be the ones who don't accept the state they're in. They recognise, they've started to recognise and there's a fight back. And that fight back manifests itself chemically within your body. Right. You start producing the serotonins, the, 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 the body chemistry reactions that start to bring you out and make you feel better. But it really depends on how deep-seated that depression is. As I use the example of the relatives who... Um, you know, didn't just bring luggage, they've moved in. Mm, um, mm. And you're wondering, when are they going to go? Mm. There are things that you might need to do to make them to go. Sure. Make them go. Well, so if we examine the fact that, and I know you talked about 
anxiety and depression being very similar and, and maybe uh, yeah, on the same side of a coin. If we looked at that as anxiety coming before uh, depression or being one of the, 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 you know, the reasons, if you like, for depression, because anxiety obviously can, can show up in, in a number of different ways and, mm-hmm. and, and forms. Mm-hmm. And if we, to, if we were to explore that from an anxiety point of view, being anxious for often for, for about something that may never even happen, mm-hmm. your thoughts on how we could potentially manage that? Well, we, we first of all got to step back and recognise um, what were the motivating factors around that anxiety? What is it I'm getting anxious about? You, is it a situation? Is it self? Is it not feeling worthy? Self confidence. These are things that can. Is it unpredictability? Is it expectation? There are layers and layers and layers of reasons why people feel anxious. How much of that um, anxiousness is coming from a place that's within their control? That's not within their control. Does not having something that's not within your control make you more anxious? Does it take you to a place of questioning your self-worth? And therefore, the more that that gets validated around you and you might start then gravitating to the cues that validate you're not worthy, taking you deeper into the anxiousness, deeper into the depression. We've got to understand what's feeding it and what in our belief system takes us down the road to to buy whatever it is, hook, line and sinker. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. Uh, and when I think about anxiety as a whole, I think about the, the, the people I come into contact with, either via my, my coaching or, 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 or everyday life, really. And, and there are so many people out there that I see where managing that level of anxiety becomes something that they don't even realise, first and foremost, that they are anxious. Great point. And what we've got to recognise, and it's a word that's come up a few times uh, throughout the podcast, is expectation. Mm. Very often, if we set ourselves a set of expectations and the bar's too high, that in itself starts breeding expectations. So we no longer celebrate the small steps that we're making to improvement because they don't feel big enough. Mm. They don't feel like they're making a difference. So therefore that makes you more anxious. That's why you see a lot of people um, delve into a whole array of strategies to deal with their conditions because they never complete on any one. They, they get anxious because they feel it's not working. So what we sometimes have to do is lower the bar of our expectations and meet smaller goals so that we feel like we're making process. I mean, I'm reminded of, you know, the famous Chinese proverb, which we say, and sometimes we don't take on what it actually means. Say, a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. And right at the the very start, you know, if you make 10 steps into a journey of a thousand miles, you don't feel like you've gone anywhere. But actually you have, you've gone 10 steps. And if we start to learn to celebrate those small victories and eventually recognise when we look back, blimey, we've come 500 miles. Mm. 
It was in single steps, though. Yeah. I suppose that for pretty much most of us, there's always going to be a level of anxiety for 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 certain things mm-hmm. and that's that's normal we mm-hmm. we we mm-hmm. you know we accept that mm-hmm. but again remember the layers to that because those expectations who you are can be based around peer group pressure social pressures religion politics love um sex all of the dynamics that contribute to who you are that's going on all of the time i hear that but I suppose there's also this element of of anxiety over, you know, for a number of people, there's always this, and again, you're absolutely right with expectation because they, they're expecting the worst, if you like. And so, you know, I have a, a, a friend who years ago was getting on a, a flight and she had expected this flight to be delayed. There was nothing that said it was going to be delayed. And I mean, at the point she booked the flight, she was already planning ahead in, in in anticipation that it would be delayed. And therefore, everything that she was going to be doing at the other end of the flight when she arrived was based on the delay. And when it wasn't, then those plans needed to be changed. But the anxiety she went through based on the expectation that the flight was going to be delayed was was symptomatic and, and, and a reflection of uh, ways that she has so, shown shown herself to be uh, or to have that anxiety so in other areas. In the context of the subject of this particular podcast, you know, depression mm. and uh, or dejection, are you really looking for, in that example, that she's taken what would appear to be a depressive position? Well... Absolutely. And the fact that... So she's got a pessimistic outlook. And and my point there is, absolutely. But my point also is, is that if we can imagine having that 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 outlook continuously, yeah. how does that then go on to affect your mental state? No, the example is a good example. And that's why I want to bring mm. it back into context of the subject. Because what you're saying is that, or what you're alluding to, is does that make that person more susceptible to depression? Absolutely. Oh, did I not? Did and I? Did I not ask that? <laughs> no, you, you didn't. But, but but I got where you were going. Sure. And absolutely yes. Mm. That's exactly what's happening. Is that in their conditioning they've be, they've learned to be pessimistic. So therefore they'll be pessimistic about everything. They'll think the worst. So they're absolutely. And it raises their, their levels of anxiety, okay. which then can can, can, can feed level into anxiety, to depression. Changes the chemical reactions in right. your body. Um, and so therefore, when things happen that fall into their their version of the world, it's validated. Let's keep doing this. This is what I expected. Now, you know throughout our podcast series, Mike, that uh, I do like to, to throw in the odd question here. That, oh, you haven't that... already? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that Bel- wasn't believe, believe it. Believe it or not, no, it hasn't okay, happened yet. Okay. So I want to get your thoughts on this. There are a number of studies that have shown that Around four or five percent of children in in the UK between the ages of five and sixteen are either depressed or anxious. And I'm interested to get your thoughts on why you believe that five between five and sixteen year olds would be suffering from depression or anxiety. That that's such a young age group. What it what would it be that affects and impacts on them? 
for them to be suffering from depression or anxiety. You've done it again, haven't you? Well, I do try. Okay, okay, let me... The immediate place that I go to, environmental triggers. Mm. And the reason that is, is because um, children and young adults, as you're talking there, because the array was 5 to 16. Between 5 and 16 year olds, yeah. They're exposed to a hell of a lot more information, a hell of a lot more expectation. By the time you're around five, you've developed agency. You've developed your own ability to start doing things where um, your parent can kind of go off in the corner and leave you and you can move things. You start to build up that that level of independence, which you've developed by the time you're, you're, you're a teenager. You're still dependent on your parents, but the way in which you move. So therefore, now you, you'll be able to spend time with yourself or time on your computer, on your phone. And you will be interacting with a world where your peer group is now delivering, just by the imagery and all those things, expectation. Sure. Now, for those children who look at images and it creates desire of something that they don't have, they get anxious about it. They get even more anxious if their friends have got it and they haven't. They get more anxious if they're teased about not having it. Mm. So the information that is reaching five five to 16-year-olds on a daily basis, most of it delivered by a technology of some kind, is far more than the times that we can relate to in in our childhood and and is light years away from what our parents experience. Mm-hmm. So the pressures that are coming from society nowadays can create expectation, can create dissatisfaction with your position because it's marketed to you that you're supposed to be dissatisfied. So our children are only a reflection of the pace that society is moving at. And that pace is determining how individuals interact and their expectations and if they're not meeting those expectations they become anxious that's interesting because i remember actually from a previous podcast you talking about uh marketing and how uh it's based around dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. so that feeds very much into i can imagine how young people would be affected you know everything in the world nowadays is is progress is measured by how quickly we do things, mm. not the quality of how we do sure. it. Um, so therefore, we've developed a society that becomes impatient. Mm. Now, uh, and we teach our kids that. And our kids want instant results. They, uh, because that's the world that's being prepped for them. And if those results don't come into it, then that cognitively triggers them to get anxious about situations. Okay, so as, uh, you know, for a parent listening in who whether they're aware or unaware of of the number of children in uh, in this country who are affected by anxiety and depression what would you and as a parent yourself what suggestions would you make to uh, to assist alleviate that that uh, level of of anxiety first of all that could maybe lead to depression that area that you talked about in terms of understanding and being aware of the potential for dissatisfaction amongst that age group that could then manifest itself in areas such as anxiety and depression? Well, I have got my opinions on that. If I really had the answer, it'd be worth a fortune. But um, 
the question is probably one of the most difficult questions you've ever asked me because I now have to take off my psychotherapist hat and look at myself as as a father, mm. as a parent. And some of the strategies that would need to be reintroduced for me come from the world of reconnecting to some of the habits that we used to have. Where I understood my parents' influence on my world came from around the dinner table mm. when we sat down and we talked and we exchanged and somebody would, uh, you know, I might say, oh, today this happened, blah, 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 blah. And my parents would go, well, okay, in that situation, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. I find that, and particularly with the people who end up in front of me, that those conversations aren't taking place. Right, right. Those forums aren't taking place. Families aren't interacting and meeting as families because everybody's busy. Mm -hmm. Everybody's... And so they don't have chance to have that quality of conversation that then it that affects that decision making process. I've I've heard somebody say, "Thank God for iPads because it keeps my child occupied." Wow! Not and and they're not alone. And the values that come out of that aren't being established. So the reference points for our children aren't there mm. anymore. As I said, that's not going to be everybody. But when we start to talk about that group of five to 16-year-olds who this is occurring to, I, I think if you go and have a look at the level of quality family interaction, you'll find it's not there. That's a huge point, Mike. And uh, yeah, one that I hope will will help any parents who may well be, be listening to, to the podcast today. I want to just touch upon, as we're looking at suggestions, and uh, and again, get your view on someone who wants to, you know, maybe manage their level of anxiety so they they recognize that they do suffer from anxiety and perhaps it's a general uh level of anxiety so you know we can have anxiety for, uh, for specific things and, and in specific areas of our lives but there can also be this sort of general uh, level of, of anxiety that we seem to, to suffer for absolutely anything and everything and i just wondered what your your thoughts were if you had any suggestions really as to what someone could do if they feel that they're in that place where they literally are feeling high levels of anxiety. And so what I'm trying to do is if we see that anxiety may at times lead to levels of, of depression, looking at how we may be able to, to, to cut that off at the past. It's another big question. One of the first things that I would say, and I know I'm going to upset a few people here, but I don't believe in medicating your way out of this situation it's just not a belief okay, that i have your, that's your view yeah and uh, uh because that's just masking that is causing that is creating a chemical reaction in the body that's that uh by introducing a foreign agent well i mean as much as it's your view uh it's also been shown that antidepressants uh that are taken obviously for in a number of cases of depression have been shown not to be effective okay well i mean but as you know, there's a whole plethora of people out there who, who sure. think they're delivering something. And I will also add that you know, for not for one moment is the Royal McCoy advocating that you do not take antidepressants or, you know, or, or that you don't listen to your it's GP. It's a personal choice. Absolutely. It is, it is very much a personal choice. I'm just sharing with you uh, what is, you know, what's been known yeah. in terms of research. I think that what we need to do is recognise de depression 
and understand that there is a chemical reaction that takes place and there are strategies that can address them. Meditation is one of the techniques that can be used. And I know some people struggle with that, but that's definitely something that people should consider. The other thing is the subject of one of the earlier podcasts, environmental triggers. Mm. Are Is your environment keeping you in the same place oh, such a big mentally? Point. That's so a very valid point. That is something, again, that we should look at. Your environment is a huge, huge factor in your depressive state. And that's your immediate environment, the collective environment you choose to populate, because they're all reminders of where you are at mentally. Massive points that you've you've raised there, and uh, and the the nuggets really of, of information that you've provided there, Mike. To round this off, and and just really pulling in the initial topic title really of of depression or dejection and and how we know which it is. I think we've touched upon the fact that depression tends to be something that is is far more uh, long lasting. Hasn't whereas, got a leaving date, right? And dejection is something that uh, is, is more temporary. It's a beginning and an end. There we go. And in terms of what we can do as a result of recognising now that we know which is, you know, which is which, just your final points on, you know, rounding that up in terms of what you, your suggestions would be once you've now found out that perhaps you are, it, it's, it's not just, you know, dejection, but you recognise it now. And perhaps by listening to this podcast, you recognise it now as being, a form of depression. What would what would be your, your views to the next step? Interesting enough, the thing that uh, comes across, which we haven't touched upon, um, and I think is key to this, is depression can feel like it's a lonely experience. And I think that recognising that you feel lonely is exactly the point where you set a trigger off. That should be a trigger to say, I'm feeling lonely, I need to ask for help. I need to share this with somebody. Just by the action of sharing, you're starting to open up pathways to healing, to addressing the problem so that we can start to use some of those those strategies. So first of all, recognise when you're going into a lonely state, a state where you feel like nobody understands you. This is just, and at that point, alert somebody. Do not feel like you are burdening people. Understand that this is a cry for help or this is something where even if you just want somebody to listen to you, that's really, really important step to make. On that note, Mike, I'd like to say thank you very, very much for your insight once again on this very, very important topic. We really do hope that it's made a difference and, and helped anyone who may be listening to this and, uh, and suffering from depression, or even if it's been dejection. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Raw McQuay podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. And my thanks once again to Michael Adams for the whole series of the Mind Health and helping us really understand far more about what's going on in our minds and helping us launch the Raw McCoy podcast. Thank you, Mike. No problem. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Raw McCoy podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget that you can subscribe in your podcast app so you never miss a show. And you can also catch up on all our podcasts at therawmccoy.com.